68 was the year of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. <clears throat> Just checking. Yet to others, the year was about Martin Luther King Jr. and Bobby Kennedy assassinations, the riots at the National Democratic Convention in Chicago, Prague Spring, the anti-war movement, and the Tet Offensive, Black Power, the Generation Gap, Avant-Garde Theater, the upsurge of the women's movement, and the beginning of the end for the Soviet Union. Just for comparison to 2018, it was violent with riots and murders, but only one mass shooting of three people in Orangeburg, South Carolina. Also, for comparison, it was highly creative time of immortal music and psychedelic colors and biting humor. So in his book, 1968, The Year That Rocked the World, Mark Kurlansky begins with this quote from Ezra Pound about looking back. One of the pleasures of middle age is to find out that one was right and that one was much righter than anyone knew at, say, 17 or 23. Note to self. In 1968, everyone under 30 thought they were writer. Kurlansky continues, There's never been a year like 1968, and it's unlikely there ever will be again. At the time, when nation and cultures were still separate and very different, like in 1968, Poland and France and the United States and Mexico, they were far more different from one another than they are today. There occurred a spontaneous combustion of rebellious spirits around the world. And what was unique about 1968 was that people were rebelling over disparate issues and had in common only that desire to rebel, ideas about how to do it, and a sense of alienation from the established order, and a profound distaste for authoritarianism in any form. The rebels rejected most institutions, political leaders, and political parties. So Hope Unitarian Church is born out of 1968. We are born out of this rich stew of rebellion and protests and violence and fears and escape and love and joy. We look at Hope's past to better understand ourselves today. We're shaped by how we recall our own story. Is it rebellious, hopeful, beautiful, tragic? A story of overcoming difficulties, smooth sailing? You know, our 50-year history is all these things. But I have one significant observation from our energetic beginnings to lead us into 2018 and beyond. So to help evoke 1968, Tim Moberly is going to set the mood for that tumultuous year. He and I will take turns with words and music, and we begin with slang that marked the 60s. Groovy 
It bubbled up out of jazz music, but by 1968, it was on everyone's lips, at least those wanting to make clear they were cool and hip and rebels. It, it refers to jazz, that swinging tight, funky, in the pocket. So the analogy is the groove in a vinyl, vinyl, vinyl record. The music, musicians are so together that it's like they're the needle guided by the, guided by the groove. So Simon and Garfunkel's feeling groovy. Slow down, you move too fast You got to make the morning last Just kicking down the cobblestones Looking for fun and feeling groovy Feeling groovy Hello lamppost, what you knowing? I come to watch your flowers growing. Ain't you got no rhymes for me? Feeling groovy. Feeling groovy. Da 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 I'm dappled and drowsy and ready for sleep Let the morning time drop all its petals on me Life, I love you, all is groovy All is groovy lived in Tulsa in 1968. I can report much of Tulsa is not groovy at the time. <laughs> it's a progressive city in many ways, but also very conservative socially. We are segregated racially and economically. We are both worldly and isolated. And as Kurlansky observes, cultures are still separate and different in 1968. In 1968, we talk on telephones connected by hard wires. Written communication is by hand or typewriter. Mail delivery is steady daily, sometimes twice daily. Printed news arrives twice daily, too, to your office or doorstep through the Tulsa World, Tulsa Tribune, but also the Oklahoma Eagle Oklahoma Indian Times report news to segregated populations 
not covered by the white-run newspapers. We all watch the same four national television channels. No cable TV yet. Movies are important collective social entertainment. Tulsa's growing suburbs mean movie palaces in downtown Tulsa are closing as large screens and twin screens begin opening. People wait in long lines for blockbusters such as 2001 Space Odyssey, Planet of the Apes, Rosemary's Baby, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> Something resembling the internet is only a concept. Its predecessor, ARPANET, will, be, will send its first transmission in 1969. The internet is decades away from globalizing the world. So as you can see from the photographs on Hope's charter signing night, men's hair is short and they wear suits and ties. Women are beautifully coiffed with handbags and gloves. It is cold. We are not founded by those wishing to show their rebellious streak. Don't be fooled by this madman attire. These are smart, savvy risk takers willing to strike out. They're civic-minded and committed to the spread of our religious tradition. They are undeterred by Bruce Clary's questions at that first sermon. Don't you know that churches in this day and age are faltering, have become things of an outward past, little more than musty museums? They see their mission as bringing intelligent religion to knock down the tent stakes of evangelical revivals. One dominant attribute of the era is a blaze of self-confidence. It lies behind every act of rebellion. This church, deep in its DNA, is born out of this forward-moving, let's explore a new horizon spirit. It's more than pioneering. It's risk-taking. 1968 is about experimentation. It's an era of self-assurance. It's an era of youth. Part of this exuberant spirit is a demographic reality. The post-World War II population bubble is coming of age. As teenagers, baby boomers dump approximately 20 billion dollars into the U.S. economy every year in the 1960s. Clothing, food, and music, the things they buy. Corporations are more than happy to meet these youthful consumer demands. So in 1968, our newly merged Unitarian Universalist tradition is only seven years old. Locally, here in Tulsa, Unitarians dominate. At All Souls Unitarian Church, the Reverend John Wolfe is in his early 40s, and with swagger, that's an adjective the newspaper uses to describe his actions, John Wolfe publicly confronts the Tulsa Public School Superintendent for refusing to desegregate our schools. 
and Dr. Charles Mason is forced to resign. Our religious work is mighty. We change the city. So again, in 1968, Wolfe encourages his church to split. This is not a division of discord. It's more akin to NASA, who is working feverishly with its manned Apollo missions. So in 1968, it's the year in which the humans first left low Earth orbit. The picture at the beginning of the church service is by astronaut Jim Lovells from the successful Apollo 8 mission. So the 40-plus families leaving all souls orbit are also blasting toward new galaxies in South Tulsa. Taking risks is at the heart of all creative acts. Starting a new church in a part of town still filled with farms and pastures is a bold move. And it could have failed miserably. Trusting in their vision and mission, our founders flash away. The average age of our charter members is late 30s and early 40s. And they bring 35 children. This church is born out of youthful exuberance and confidence. We are the product of 1968. So 50 years later, we are grateful for our surviving charter and founder members. They have carried this creation for decades for themselves and for each one of us. I propose we give them a standing ovation for their steadfastness and dedication. Will you all rise? And we have a little musical thank you, Tim. This is written by David Porter and Isaac Hayes. We are our founders didn't have to love us like they did, but they did. And we thank you. <laughs> you didn't have to love me like you did, but you did, but you did. And I thank you. You didn't have to squeeze me like you did, but you did, but you did. And I thank you if you took your love to somewhere else. I wouldn't know what it meant to be loved to death. You made me feel like I've never felt. Kisses so good I had to holler for help. I thank you. Every day with something new, you got us trying new things too, just so we can keep up with you. Our founders and many who came soon after remain very active at Hope Church, and this is a blessing. The wisdom of these early risk takers is vital to our church. They develop rituals and traditions we still follow today and some we might consider picking back up. And 
The demographics of our current church remains weighted at the older end. We no longer have a primarily youthful engine taking risks, pushing us into new things. As ideas and technology now come at a viral pace, we may be holding on to what Bruce Clary warns us about, a musty museum. This isn't just a challenge of Hope Church. This is the challenge of the the world in general. But I challenge this church to lead the way to turn its attention to our children and our youth and to every single member under 50. They are the booster rockets of risk, innovation, rebellion, and healthy change right here in our church. Picture all that are under the age of 50. We must be asking them, where do you want to go? What ideals and visions are you pouring your hearts into? What struggles and obstacles are in your way? What gives your life meaning? What theology, theologies, and community is going to help us navigate 2018? Okay, don't panic, my elders, beloved elders. Let me be very, very clear what I am not saying. I am not saying we should ignore you or me. I am not saying that. One challenge for hope will be loving and supporting our elders, but they have to step into mentoring and teaching roles. so others can lead. We have to change who leads and who follows in this church for hope to thrive, not just exist for the next 50 years. In longitudinal studies, self-esteem and risk decline with age. Quoting from one study published in the American Psychological Association's journal, there are numerous theories as to why self-esteem peaks at middle age and then drops after retirement, said the researchers. Midlife is a time of highly stable work, family, and romantic relationships, we hope. People increasingly occupy positions of power and status, which might promote feelings of self-esteem. In contrast, older adults may be experiencing a change in roles, such as an empty nest, retirement, obsolete work skills in addition to declining health. The Tulsa world. See, I still read the newspaper. Had an op-ed last December titled, Time to Pass the Torch, Baby Boomers. The author, David Van Driel of the Washington Post, writes, no thriving society finds its fresh thinking among its oldest leaders. The wisdom of years is a check, not an engine. Though old age takes its toll in different ways on different people, in the aggregate, the science is clear. Mental agility, executive function, and creativity all tend to decline as we pass through middle age. A nice summary of the research published by the Distinguished Dana Foundation noted, 
Older adults tend to be slower in conceptualizing and less ready to change strategies when circumstances shift. Many of our systems, committee structures, technology, theology, and ideals remain rooted in a past. In part, a church is an important container of history, yet our way of being church, some of it is really stuck in unsustainable ruts. Our church doesn't keep up with the world's rapid changes. From listening to my children, who are in their 20s, and their friends, who are in their 20s and 30s, our intern, Yadni, 20s, and collaborating with a lot of my younger clergy colleagues in Tulsa, 20s, 30s, and 40s, they all exude this confidence, this energy, exactly in the same way our founding families did decades ago. I viscerally feel the self-esteem and assurance gap. And I'll repeat, I am not saying to dismiss or throw away our beloved elders. All of us over 50. The saying from the 60s is, never trust anyone over 30. (laughs) That's because age brings its own invaluable wisdom. In 1968 and its obsession with youth, it was not a perfect year or decade. The impulsive side of risk-taking brings pain and sorrow. Part of hope's DNA is rooted in its youthful mistakes. I don't know them all. We should talk about them. But, for example, we did rely on alcohol and happy hours. And we had a complicated relationship with authority. And we had this unwitting participation in white flight and white supremacy. So our work as a church and as a city and as a nation is to listen fully to all under 50. Imagine learning from their experiences and needs. Imagine giving them the majority of the reins for leadership and direction. I implore our board of trustees to create some ongoing mechanism to ask their insight, ideas, input. I'd love to witness house meetings, focus groups, adult forum, and tools we haven't considered, like Snapchat, sessions where we accept and experience the continuous input of leadership of our younger members. Another possibility arises from last summer. You know, we had this church consultant, Bill Klontz, come, and he took a snapshot of us, said, you are doing fine, and consider this. And one of the things he said is, we need a year-round nominating committee. You know, this is kind of church geekiness, but it matters. One reason to have a nominating committee to help fill committees and chairs and the board is to disrupt our very human tendency to ask people we already know to take over or help out. Instead, an ongoing nominating committee can keep nudging us to bring forward younger members. And this nominating committee has to reflect where we want to be heading. It has to be youthful. It it will help us 
interrupt our tendency for the few to overwork and do too much. So bless all of you over 50, 60, 70, 80, 90. Become steady and true fast advisors and teachers to a new crop of leaders. Do not quit leadership right now, but seriously, very, very seriously, consider how to get to know, develop, and invite new leadership. Start listening. And you know, some of our activities and committees may actually fall away. It's okay. (laughs) If we truly are vital and have a mission and a vision, then whatever fell away, if it's important, it will be reborn in some new form. Trust me on this. We have to do this without exploding and parting ways. We're going to have to do this very thoughtfully. And it's something, again, I say that our city and our whole nation has to do. Our church, by taking this turn, can make a much bigger impact on people's lives and on this city. It was pointed out we remain hidden. One of the pleasures of middle age is to find out that one was right and that one was much righter than one knew at, say, 17 or 23. If we're going to thrive for the next 50 years, we need to turn it over to those who are righter and let them fly. Tim, will you take us out with Blackbird? Blackbird singing in the dead of night Take these broken wings and learn to fly All your life You were only waiting for this moment to arise Blackbird singing in the dead of night Take these sunken eyes and learn to see All your life You were only waiting for this moment to be free Blackbird fly Blackbird fly Into the light of a dark black night